Listen in the dojo and dynamite. Dynamite, put your hand in, ring is out of sight. All elite TNT, make it feel right. Put your hand all elite, time to unite. One's name Rich, the other Ashley. The number one pod for the whole family. Time to fill your wrestling appetite. Now it's time to start dojo and dynamite. This is Ashley and Rich here with episode 93 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Monday, September 27th, and we are coming off yet another very busy weekend weekend in the world of wrestling. Yeah, and I want to apologize that our podcast has been all over the place. In terms of when we're actually getting it recorded, I apologize. Uh, We had gone to the show on Wednesday. We had gone to the show previously in Newark. We had come off of traveling to All Out. So we've had a very tough time with scheduling it because we get so behind on the shit that we can't do. Oh, my God. G1, GCW. Right. You have a super hectic grad school schedule, which I know we talked about last week. You're actually in class. Right. It's it's an in-person live. It's online, it? but it's synchronous. Synchro- synchronous? Synchronous? I don't know. I don't know. You have to sit through... Class. You have to sit through class. You got to sit on there on like Zoom. a like a Zoom session. So, it, it's it's just that it, it throws the entire schedule out of whack because we want to wait till obviously post rampage. But we went to the show. We didn't want to spoil it. This episode is just going to be kind of like our reflection of what had happened on Wednesday. I mean, look, it's we all know what happened. Brian Danielson fought Kenny Omega. Yeah, we know that Arthur Ashe was hot. Everybody's talked about it. Everybody's been excited. Everybody's doing podcasts now, which is great for the community as much as people are competitive. It's great for the community because people are excited. It just shows excitement about the product, excitement about wrestling, and that the entire community is coming together and they want to have a voice. Yeah, more ways, more things to talk about and more ways to connect. So that's what we're here for. That, that's We that's, love it. That's what we're here for. We hope to collaborate with people because, again, this is about having a conversation with other individuals. Obviously, their opinions, but there's some experience playing a role here but you know we're having conversations with you guys you know, we want to talk we, we sit here yeah we got some friends but it's always such a closed-minded group we do kind of have a closed-minded group and it's nice to be able to speak with so many of well, you i think it's yeah there there is closed-mindedness but it's also that it's just our group that's our core so you know what to expect Right, and they never change. We are of the generation. So we'll talk a little bit about GCW first. They did a show called Emo Fight on Thursday night. Guys, I fucking loved Emo Fight. Rich did not, but I loved it. So what's funny is that I am, of course, we are all within the emo phase, right? We all had an emo phase. We're all in the same stage. I mean, Nick Gage came out, and he was hosting what he called the weirdo shit. DJ MDK. DJ Nikki G. Hell yeah. <laughs> and he comes out and he says, play my chemical romance, motherfucker. Yeah. And Forever on repeat. He just plays the Black Parade song. Welcome to the Black Parade. Is that what it is? Yeah. He plays it over and over again. That's the only, <laughs> the only song I think that he knows. And it's funny because Nick Gage is kind of one of those, like... I'm kind of the generation of Nick Gage, even though I'm significantly younger than Nick Gage. Like, you know, I am in the emo generation, 
like all those songs that were played, like I've heard them before, like I heard them. But I guess we grew up, we always had, you always kind of have this, right? You have like an older brother. I don't have an older brother, but we had a friend that had an older brother. And the older brother's around Nick Gage's age. And Nick Gage's generation was, we're going to crush like a 30 case. We're going to jam to like Metallica. We're going to pull our high black socks up and beat the shit out of each other weapons in the backyard. You know, like, our generation, in a way, is more like, hey, we're going to have really good, entertaining wrestling matches. We're going to have tons of characters, tons of this, tons of that. We're, we're very open. We're inclusive. And then you kind of have, like, me at the same age as all of us who, like, pulls up the black socks and, like, let's hit each other with some light bulbs. <laughs> Jam out to For Whom the Bell Tolls, which is kind of theft, if you think about it. I might have been using that theme before Nick Gage. It's very possible. We don't have evidence of when Nick Gage started using that. You're going to have to find out. might have to out. fight him for it eventually. I don't want to say that out loud, but... <laughs> I, I uh... just did. But the vibes of Emo Night, I was absolutely all about. That was... That, that's the music I grew up listening to. That was, that was Ashley in middle school and high school. And combining those those songs that emo music with with wrestling i mean listen it doesn't get much better i wish we were there i know you were like I, this is not a show for me but it's not it a show 100 percent a show for me as as nick gage would say it was that weirdo shit but as nick gage would say mdk be your fucking self the most motivational man it may not be for him it may not be for me but I'm damn happy they had it. And I'm going to say that. I'm just going to say this was something so unique that it gave every person, every fan that goes there, everybody who's involved with it, it's a way to bring together and unite the groups. It's not some cliche or par poorly targeted marketing or advertisement ploy. Like when they, and, and again, it's not against AEW, when, but when they were putting like the Rick and Morty crap all over the fucking ring posts and it was you know it's like this advertisement thing they're trying to touch the fan base this is actually emo night like it was like let's just play every fucking song that made you fucking sad or got you through the sad times is that what you did got through the sad times yeah with the songs. no they had a couple live performances but all of the wrestlers came out to like a chosen song right, but nick gage is trying to have these guys like headbang and scream it's like this is emo music they just want to sit and vibe <laughs> like he's trying to get them to to like sing the fucking song. Jimmy just Lloyd, like, just let us enjoy. This. Made his entrance to Jimmy Jacobs to was the there. Black Parade. Jimmy Jacobs was there. AJ Gray came out to Limp Biscuit. Well, he's not emo. No, but MDK all fucking day. Great show. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like you said, it was unique. It, I thought it was a, very it well was done. Really awesome. As much as it doesn't necessarily mean it was for me, it was for a lot of people, and that's great. And it wasn't, like I said, a marketing ploy. It wasn't cliche. It was literally like, hey, you know, let's do this. And everybody dressed up like Alley Cat, Alleyway, 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 dressed up. They all dressed up. Uh, Jimmy Lloyd was like Sting or something. I don't know if he was actually Sting, but he looked like Sting. But see, you know, you think about it and it's like growing up, I, I would go to concerts all the time. Vans Warped Tour, um, that that was my summertime event with with my dad and brother. We'd always go to concerts, and it's like, if I would have had something like that, like giving me my alternative emo music with wrestling back in the day, like oh my god, and like I love I loved it now, but like I can't even imagine like back in my day, <laughs> like what that would have felt like. 
That, that, that's what I mean. That's it's such a cool way to connect audiences, especially of that generation, of that age, of that demographic group. That's the way to get them. You want to hook them? That's how you hook them. You want that demo? That's you guys. Like that's us, technically. I mean, I call you guys. It's the same thing, but I just. You well, you, but you, to be fair, you were never, you're not, you're not a music guy. You drive in the car in silence. It's nice, yeah, it's nice. Psycho, that's psycho shit. When, when the, the sound is off, you could just relax. No, the silence, like, hurts my ears. There's no noise? No, it's, no, it's no, just, that's wrong. That's it's just crazy. Peaceful. You it's peaceful. are crazy. It is peaceful. No. That gives me, like, anxiety. I guess growing up... Music up. What's funny is high school, I went to prep school. So I went to a private high school. It was an all-boys school. It was one of those, like, very... It was a religious school. It was a, you know, prep school. And so we had to wear a shirt and tie every day. We had, like, restrictions. Couldn't have, like, facial hair. I mean, it was one of those types of schools. And I guess I was, like, a metalhead. But I never wore... Like, the grungy outfits, I never really, like, dove into the... I guess, in a way, I've never dressed to my likeness. I've always dressed outside of what, I guess, you would think my range would be as, like, the things that I enjoy. You're mysterious. Like, you wouldn't realize that I had listened to such heavy metal music while wearing my shirt and tie every day to school. You have a... But, to be fair... Despite the fact that you drive in silence and you're like six CD player, you have a very wide range of music. I just I like what I like. Mixtapes. I hear it. Lady I Gaga. Like, yeah, mixtapes. That's what we're talking Frank about. Frank Sinatra. Right now. Yes, but what you're talking right now about, I have burned CDs in there with no labels, and that's what I listen to. Same. It's 2021. I can't plug my phone into my car. I don't want to change that. I don't want a new car. I got, my brother made me. I love my car. A mixtape a few years back. A Day to Remember and Some 41, I think. He and loves two, Some again, 41. two bands I never listened to. I like, I like A Day to Remember. I think I have a, there's a CD that's like half Chimera, half In Flames. There's some Disturbed on there. Escape the Fate? No. Escape the Fate was extreme emo. I had like a handful of songs. I was, there was a girl. All right, story time, not with Adam Cole. <laughs> there was a girl that really was into me. And I really wasn't interested in her, but I was, I was as polite and as nice as I possibly could be. I also really needed her van. So I did not, I was not being a bad guy. So I would hang out with her, and we would listen to music, and she listened to Escape the Fate, Alisana, those types of bands. I don't know if people are familiar with those, but, but they were. And I needed her van because I had to build a wrestling ring as a kid, and I couldn't drive. Oh, so this was like way back. Oh, I was like 16. I couldn't drive yet, and she had a van from her dad. I guess he was some type of construction worker. So we built our own wrestling ring, we went and we got tires from a dump. We filled the entire van up. We brought it. We got like two by fours and rope and all this other crap. And we brought it all to the location we wanted to build it on. And we weren't allowed to build it. Shitty. 
Yeah, so that stuff just sat in my friend's backyard for the next 15 years. I think it's still there. It really wasn't that long. It's about you know, 10 years ago, I guess. But it's I think it's still there. Just rotting in the woods. Oh, Tires no. don't go anywhere, guys. <laughs> they stay forever. What a waste. But Emo Night, I think, was a success. They had talked about on Twitter possibly running another event. Uh, I would be down. I don't know what everyone else thought, but I loved it. Wish we were there, but really enjoyed watching it. Next night, uh, so it was Thursday, Friday night, we're going to get to Dynamite in a moment, but Friday night they had GCW lost a lot, also at the Melrose Ballroom in Queens. Main event was Minoru Suzuki versus Homicide. Yeah, which was awesome, because we had seen Homicide on Wednesday, which was actually Friday. Right. So it's kind of cool to see and Homicide And Suzuki regardless. on Friday, we did see Wednesday Suzuki on, on Wednesday, <laughs> which was actually Friday. So we got to see Suzuki, uh, the GCW show was good. Homicide versus Suzuki main event, which I like, is that you can have guys that aren't necessarily Nick Gage all the time main eventing. So it's kind of cool you can have two guys outside of that. Matt Cardona lost his internet championship in like 20 seconds to Effie. I think, yeah, yeah, he did. We have a new internet champion. Which Today I think, is Effie Day. Today's Effie Day, but the internet championship was defended successfully for 10 straight years. I mean, this was a big run. Did we Effie have- did something amazing. People don't realize that. Ten-year champion. It was, a, it was a long reign, but how often did Cardona defend it? And that's irrelevant. Nobody well, challenged him. He came out, so Cardona was not at Emo Night. Emo Fight. Emo Fight? Emo he, Night. What did he call it? Emo Fest? He called it Emo Fest. Yeah. And he did uh, a few lines from Hosky, acapella style. That's a jam. It's very emo of him. That song is is a jam, but that was a wonderful moment. Hopefully, we'll get the rematch, Effie versus Matt Cardona for the Internet Championship in Atlantic City coming up in just 12 days. But I had actually thrown out a tweet. I know we've been talking about it recently. We're fairly new to GCW, but I have had a tremendous time watching the shows, attending the events uh, that we've gone to. It, it They're putting out great stuff. It's a lot of fun. It is. It's trying to embody the spirit of what ECW was. So it gives you hardcore death matches. It gives you lucha style matches. It gives you storylines. It's trying to give you a lot. It's trying to embody. It is like a, a variety essence, what show. ECW was. Yeah, it's, it's like a something for show. everyone. No, and that's I love what ECW it. was. ECW was a variety show. It just it really didn't have any limitations. Yeah. ECW was a show that had no limitations. You had. Lucha matches to scandals to adultery to great main event quality matches. So, I mean, it was there was a lot. There was a lot that ECW used to give you. And GCW is trying to give you, you know, as much as they can within the boundaries of not pushing the envelope. And plus, on top of that, as much as people may not think that deathmatch wrestling can be as inclusive as GCW is, it's extremely inclusive. They welcome everybody, all walks of life. GCW is a very welcoming community. Yeah. So that's something that is great also. So, you know, again, two sides of it. Obviously, we're talking about it. This podcast, again, it's it's Monday night. You guys don't really want to listen to a recap of Wednesday. Well, we all, we all know what happened, but I thought it would actually be pretty cool to just dive into our experiences because Arthur Ashe was unlike any show that I have been to. And I think you would probably agree with that as well. I can't say that I particularly 
particularly enjoyed the venue. And I might be the minority of it. The parking was atrocious. The parking was a disaster. I thought the venue itself was beautiful. Uh, The venue itself was fine. It was extremely loud, but we'll get to that in a minute. We had really great seats, um, which we were very fortunate for. But I, I think it was Tony Khan when the tickets were on sale, you know, he mentioned that there's not a bad seat in the house. And I truly believe that there was a viewpoint from everywhere. It looked like, yeah, the, the seats were, our seats were excellent. And I think the staff, they were unaware of how to run a wrestling show. So I mean, again, that's, that's the second point, but the parking was inaccessible. They tell you not to drive, tell you to take mass transit because essentially you have to, but I, I'm coming from well, Jersey. I can't to us, it was the, what the governor's ball. At City right, Field? Which took up all the spots of City Field. Yeah. But I can't not drive from Jersey. Look, the last train out of Penn Station to Secaucus was like 1 in the morning. So how can I take the New Jersey Transit train if the show ended after Rampage at 12 o'clock? That's the thing that they didn't talk about. I know that that's the thing. People had to leave. People did leave during Rampage. They had to. They couldn't get home. They were going to miss their train. It was a 53-minute train ride from Queens to Penn Station. How can I leave at midnight, 12.15, take a 53-minute train ride to Penn Station and hope to get on my last NJ Transit train to Secaucus? That's what I mean. I had to drive. And when I drove home, it took about a half an hour. It was actually pretty quick. Driving into the city wasn't bad either. We left early. Now, we pull up to the stadium, and this is something maybe if those who listen to the podcast had gone to the show also. The parking was atrocious. There's barely any signs to tell you where to go. Guy says to us, park in the south parking. Okay, drive down there. I see the sign for South Park. It's a tiny little lot, and it says rideshare. Okay, it says drop-off, pickup only rideshare. Doesn't say parking. Doesn't say AW parking. There, there's nobody there to take a ticket. There's nobody there to pay for parking. But so, it said South Parking, and that's South where Park he told us sign. to go. So we drive around the this giant complex. It's like five miles. It's like a park. And we get all the way around to like lot D, lot B, whatever was over there. And basically these lots are full of people. And they just keep telling you, well, if it's not there, go to lot F, go to lot G. So we'd start driving back and we'd make a turn to go to lot F. And what was lot F, Ashley? It was a fucking one-lane bridge with a fucking gate on the other oh, side Oh, it brought us it. to the botanical garden, <laughs> but we that couldn't brought get us in. to the botanical garden. I gotta, I gotta pull one of those... Uh, Austin Powers, like, you know, front, back, front, back, front, back <laughs> on this overpass. On the bridge. <laughs> that everybody oh driving God. underneath is going to watch me so doing. So much anxiety. I hope that they enjoyed my show. To come back, we park underneath the overpass. We walk out. There's a sign. Kind of shows you you are here. Shows the scale of the map. And I'm like, this is going to be a fucking 45-minute walk. I'm not doing this. Was literally the opposite side I'm not of the doing venue. This. It, it, it was the, at the, the end of the park. The parking is fucking atrocious, but it's not. If City Field was open, it would have been fine. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we drive back. Ashley says, "Why don't we just try one more time? Let's hit the South Parking. Let's see." So we pull in there. Some people in there wrestling shirts on. There's some spots. There was maybe only about 35, 40 spots. Very small parking lot. Yeah. We park in there. No fee. Didn't pay anything. Get out. We ask the the employee. She was going to be working the venue. She had like an employee shirt on. And we asked if we could park here. Because other wrestling fans also asked if we could park there. And she was like, look, I'm going to park here. We had no badges. There's no, you know, they weren't, there's no way to check it. So we just parked there. There were no signs about being towed or booted nope, or anything. And it was right next to the museum, 
we went over there, got in line, went into the stadium. When we left, I mean, we were right next to it. We got out. We went home. I mean, we were home by like 1245. We stayed yeah. for the entire rampage. As much as it was a disaster, we got very fortunate with that South parking. Uh, yeah, but I you, I don't know if we were supposed to park there or not, but we did. You found a tennis ball. I did. Obviously, found a tennis we're ball. at Arthur Ashe. Um, you had to leave it, though. I'm very sorry. Yeah. It happens. I know you were, like, excited. It's all right. We spent some that. time together. Yep, got a nice nice couple pictures. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I it was quite quite the show. It's difficult to get into because you have to enter it. I mean, for where we entered from the park, everybody kind of said you got to walk around. So it was... It's it's not easy to navigate. It, it, the logistics it was, of this it was arena interesting are not, in, they not checked, easy. They checked our vaccines outside the like entire venue, which made the process of getting in quicker. Yes, no, that was good. But, but then, then we, they let us in without checking us for security. Yep. Then we had to go through security. Then they checked our tickets. Like it was like no, they checked our ticket first. Oh, yeah. They checked our vaccine cards while we were all waiting in line to get in, which expedited the process. But then they scanned our tickets at the gate before we went through security. Then we went through security. Which is fucking weird. You would let me into the venue. Like, what if I had to go out and drop something in my car? Like, what if I couldn't bring a bag in? Like, you know, you didn't stop me from doing that. And then we had to go through security after. That doesn't make any sense. And then they checked the tickets again. And then they scanned the tickets. It was... It was an interesting process. Well, they checked the tickets again. This is something that I found out a little later on. They checked the tickets again because we were in the lower level. So when you have a tennis event, when you have a U.S. Open event, we talked about this, the price of the tickets in the lower level is extraordinary. And so there's a gate that they kind of check the tickets to make sure that people in the upstairs are not involving themselves with people who had paid a ton of money, potentially celebrities or whoever, who sit low at the U.S. Open events. So the staff members, they're hired by Arthur Ashe. They don't know anything about wrestling. They, you know, the merch stands are downstairs. These guys want to, they, they want to buy stuff. You can't let them in because their tickets tell you that you can't. I mean, they want to buy stuff. AEW laid it out, not understanding, I don't think, what the restrictions were going to be. And, I, and again, anybody who did sit in the upper decks, if you guys had any experience regarding like how or where you could buy merch or where the stands were, if you guys could get downstairs just to buy the merchandise, were you allowed to? I don't know. Because they were turning people away when we got in, but we got they in were. very early. Yeah, that's true. But then all the food was closed, except for very, very basic. And that was upstairs. And that's what I find, and that's something I'm going to, you know, it's one of those like, Family guy, like, what grinds you by gears type thing. Why at wrestling shows do they not open all the vendors? It's like they treat us as if, like, yeah, well, you'll eat hot dogs and hamburgers and you'll be fine with it. And it's like, you know, I mean, you go to a, an event, you go to a venue, and some venues have a lot of options. Like, Arthur Ashe had a ton of options that weren't open. Yeah. There's a steakhouse, a burger place. All these places were closed. And it's like you can have pizza, chicken fingers, or like a hot dog or sausage and peppers. It's like, why can't I have other options? Why do we get limited as wrestling fans? Maybe because we're an outside like venue, like not a venue, that's an outside event. Is that why as wrestling fans? Because how many times do you go and you see a full menu variety and you ask them for something that's on the menu and they go, well, we're not making that today. You did get coffee. I did get coffee. I mean, it's a show that's going till midnight. I got to drive home. Yeah, no, but... How many All venues? Out, we didn't have that uh, but same how many luck. venues say that they sell coffee 
or say they sell something like that, and then they don't because, again, wrestling's there, and it's not their normal fair of individuals. Like, it's not their normal event, not their normal fair of uh, audience. So, you know, like at the basketball games, like at the Trust Arena, they were selling coffee and, and, you know, whatever normally, just, you know, things to be late at night, and you go up there and they say, oh, no, we don't have any of that. Well, I guess the question is, is it the venue or is it the host like like is it AEW deciding they don't want to open all the vendors like i don't is i don't AEW, know how that works i don't either is AEW only paying for something is AEW the one that's limiting the stock of i what don't know gets, like, what that's gets the, served that's the question the money doesn't go to AEW i don't think money goes to the stadium yeah does the stadium not assume that certain fare which i guess is discriminatory in a way doesn't want certain foods i don't know i don't know if it's AEW or if it's the that, it that makes sense though you'd think it would be the venue because the money goes to the right the, it the would vendors. It be tough on a wednesday night to get all those restaurants open yeah that that would be tough i guess it's not a saturday i don't know it, i don't it, know it was, it's, it was it's a fair point it's something that very it's very very irritating to me because i don't want to eat that crap all the time and then on top of that i don't want to spend eight and a half dollars on a fucking hot dog like, I'd rather eat something else. Yeah. I'll spend more money on it, but I'd rather eat something different. Yeah, I hear you. But our seats were great, and this is kind of what I meant by the venue. It was not the inside of the venue. I just didn't like the logistics of parking. Queens is far. We left at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because we had to. We drove because we had to. Pay the bridge fees. Pay the turnpike fees. But... Didn't have to pay for parking. Venue itself was extremely loud. I, so loud. Like, I, guys, I can't... They were filming Elevation. And Thunder Rosa comes out. And obviously, Thunder Rosa is beloved. She always gets a huge pop. But her music hits. She comes out and the arena roars. And I'm like, this is Elevation. What is Dynamite going to sound like? It, I the acoustics of the arena must have been so strong, so good. I mean the the sound hurt your ears. Yeah, it actually, physically caused pain. It it was like that feeling of when you are like in an airplane. It doesn't happen as much as you get older, but as a kid, it hurts your ears. Your ears pop, and you know it, it hurts. I mean, there was a kid. If you watch. If you replay or rewatch, because at home it didn't do it justice. And that's the thing that's so crazy. The stadium was so fucking loud. Tony Khan came out to talk to us before the show. You could not hear him. No. You couldn't hear him. Ashley has a recording of Tony Khan trying to talk to us before the show. You can't hear him. You literally cannot hear him. They have to turn the microphone so loud that Justin Roberts was literally screaming at us. Just so that they can hear it on television normally. And the cameras have to buffer the sound. Because again, I've said this before. This is something that I did get kind of confirmed by some people. Is that some of the cameras that they use are very similar to what they use in a sports game. So it kind of buffers the crowd noise out so that you can hear the commentators. You can hear what's happening inside. That's the same thing that kind of happens at like you know a football stadium. The crowd is exceptionally loud. But it may not come off that way. You can hear the cadence of the quarterback. You can kind of hear collisions. You can hear the commentators. And it sounds like the crowd's not doing anything at all. But in reality, the crowd is extremely hot. And a lot of a lot of situations in football, the crowd is extremely loud. But it doesn't come off that way on television. 
And that's kind of the way that the TNT broadcast is. The crowd was extremely hot. And it was still hot on TV. But in person, it literally hurt your ears. It actually pierced your ear. And what I was going to say was when you really watch it back on YouTube... I don't know if AEW uses like the Fight TV f- feed, which as a better camera for the audience, you can kind of like the the sound sounds better on the on the fight. When you watch Omega and Brian, there's a kid like in the front, not in the front row, but he's in the front section television side. He literally holds his ears because yeah. it's so it's so almost excruciating. It's so loud. It's unbelievable. I've never been in a venue like that. I've never heard something like that before. It was insane. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, it's great for the people. The experience is massive. The people, the audience that came were hungry. They they were, but it created a better fan experience because we talked about going to WrestleMania, WrestleMania 29, and that was at MetLife Stadium. You're in this sea of people. The stadium's massive. You can't hear everyone cheering. It's like you're cheering in your own little section, so you feel kind of like out of it. Here, it was... As big as the venue was, it was very intimate in the sense that it felt like we were all cheering together, and that like gets you more riled up. And for the first time in like 10 years, really, and the first time in a really, really long time, I actually felt like, yes, this is the New York audience that I remember. Yeah. And, you know, you talk, people from different cities, Chicago's got a great audience, Philadelphia's got a strong audience. I mean, a lot of places have really good audiences. The New York City audience is a hungry audience. They're ferocious. And you saw, for that match with Omega and Danielson, the expectation, the anticipation, the height, and the feeling of what it was. They stood up. We, were standing. Oh, we, we stood up for the first five minutes, and, and then we were up and down pitch. the whole night. It's just, but it's a fever pitch. There's a noise that's just a constant buzz. It's like the it cicadas. Right, because they're hungry. Yeah. They're there to watch it. They're intense. They're in tune. It's a different audience. Audiences are loud. Trust me, they are extremely loud. And you got to give props to everybody. But there's nothing really as ferocious an audience as when it's in New York City. If something's good, it's good. It's not only good, it's magnified. Well, as you had hinted at, Cody got booed. Of course. I said this. and People don't want to listen to me. I'm going to tell you Cody's going to get booed. I, I, did I not say that to everybody? I said Cody is going to get booed. Why, did, why would he get booed? Because he's going to get booed. It's where you are. Going to get booed. That's what I mean by the ferocious audience. It's a different type of audience. The UK's got an audience like that too. They do. But it's a different type of audience where, you know, audiences are hot in Chicago. That's great. Big city. Great audience, like I said. But... Something about New York City, I mean, you watch back, go back to like ECW One Night Stand, just watch that again. That's the type of audience that you get when you go in the heart of the city. And I mean, look, they they did an Eli Manning celebration on Sunday. They retired his number, they added him to the Ring of Honor, and they booed the living shit out of the owner of that team before Eli Manning came out. The ownership is piss poor. But that's just, it's people think it's disrespectful, but it's just, look... There's a lot of people, with AEW said it, what Tony Khan said, there's there's a lot of money to spend. They're spending their hard-earned money to have it. People spend a lot of money on season tickets. People spend a lot of money to go to Grand Slam. They're going to be fucking pissed if it sucks. Yeah. They don't want to watch garbage. And they're tired of it. 
because they're too busy, they got too much going on, and I'm tired. After all of this, I watch this football team, for example. Well, you're, you're doing... Or I watch this wrestling for, in my downtime, and this is the shit that you shovel me. Yeah, that's the, the joy. That's your moment of joy throughout the day. Like, you don't exactly. want to watch something that sucks. And when it sucks, you fucking change it. We expect... expect we have expectation of change. And that's, that's what I think the audience, that's why I was at the fever pitch, because they like what they like, and they know what they want, and they're very, very intelligent. AW fans are extremely intelligent. And I've said this to you, too. I, I, I've said this, and I didn't mean it in any type of discriminatory way. I re really don't. Don't take offense to it. I said it to you multiple times. AW fans have money. And they have money that they want to spend on the company. It's not about having money. I'm not saying that these fans are wealthy. The money they have, they want to spend on AEW. They want to give AEW the money. We do it. You go to the events. You go to the venues. You go to the pay-per-views. You travel. You buy merchandise. Yeah, the, we're, the, the fans are willing to invest. Yeah, the fans want to be a part of it. They want to follow them. How many, how many individuals, remember, how many fans went, people, uh, you know, we're good association, good associates with on the podcast, went down to Florida a couple times to watch the shows. Yeah. That's commitment. Yeah. And you should be proud of that. Hell yeah. And AEW prides themselves on having that. And they're proud of the fans for doing it. Very that. loyal, very diehard. And it makes you feel really good. It makes you feel really connected. Yeah. And, you know, like, that's... I don't want to talk about it. You didn't want to talk about it. But look at the fucking Extreme Rules last night. And people said they really liked that Finn Balor shit. But look, it's that kind of crap that... Yeah, you talked, Seth Rollins said he wanted to strangle Vince McMahon after Hell in a Cell, and, and Wyndham was like, hey, wait till you fucking hear my reaction. And then Finn Balor last night, he's, look, Finn is a very creative guy. He really is a very, very creative guy. I mean, the guy's flopping around like a fucking fish. Top rope breaks, he gets fucking pinned. It's like when, it's like when fucking Orton wrestled the match at WrestleMania with the fucking bugs. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ, just shovel shit and expect you to buy it. They don't give a shit about you. And this was so difficult. You say this to these fans, and it's fans of wrestling or fans of wrestling. Fans of entertainment, fans of entertainment. Wrestling is entertainment, regardless of what anybody says. I know, you know, Danielson's angry about that. He wants to be wrestling again, right? But it's all entertainment. We're all sitting there having a time of our fucking lives at Arthur Ashe. What a great show. Yeah. We were entertained thoroughly. We went to a pro wrestling event to get entertained, okay? It's, it's, it's the it best is, of both worlds It is. Right it there. is a, the best of both worlds. You had a great entrance by Cody. You had a great entrance by Malachi. It, we're entertained. You had the big event, the big wrestling match of Omega versus Danielson. We had the fun fight and the Rampage show with Moxley and Kingston and Suzuki Goon. Right? We had such an amazing time. And you had such a diverse palette. You had the, the really fun Young Bucks versus Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express match. You had Dan Lambert's group come. Well, they were all there. I kicked the shit out of Jericho. But that was outside. It's a different type of thing that happened. Ladies main event, Dr. Britt versus oh, that was, that was great. Ruby Soho. Hell yeah, the, we love to see but it. But it was the right move because the, it was the only world championship on the line. Yeah. The main events. It's the biggest match in the card. The world championship always main events. Yeah. Championships always take precedent. They always should. And that was the right move. But what I was trying to get at was it's so hard for fans when you watch like the Red Cage of Rage and you watch like the Finn Balor thing if you didn't like it. I thought the Finn Balor thing was terrible. It wasn't terrible in theory. It was terrible in execution. The fans, it's like, you know, maybe I'll actually start watching AEW. Well, what's the problem with it? And then you realize, you know, fans don't want to miss anything. 
They don't want to stop watching WWE because what if something happens? Because they're under that belief. This is what they grew up watching. And a lot of the generation didn't have the Monday Night Wars anymore. You know, people who watched regularly, who were teenagers in the 90s, are now a little older. They're not quite the same audience or fan base that's into wrestling the same way. that They had watched TNA, and TNA was always treated like Bush League. AEW is not Bush League. AEW is a legitimate alternative. You don't ever look at AEW, and then you look at WWE and think, oh, yeah, one is clearly a Bush League company. And TNA wasn't Bush League. TNA did a lot of really good things, but it was always treated as such. And it always had that stigma, that aura about it, that kind of like stunk, right? It was kind of like, well, you know, this is just a small-time thing. Great wrestlers, they had great stories, they had bad shit too, but everybody has bad shit. But, you know, WWE, they, they just don't care. They expect you to understand what they're doing and take it for what it is, and there's no... What they, what they coin? Complaining is not constructive or some shit like that? Isn't that what they're like trademark? Complaining is not conversation or something? It's not I don't conversation. You told me, but I well, don't you remember. shovel them shit, and you expect them to continue to watch, and people do because they believe in the company. They've watched it since they were kids. It brought them so many moments of joy and happiness, and they don't want to give up on it. They're connected to those wrestlers. They're connected to those individuals. That's why I think people, you know, they criticize sometimes when these ex WWE guys they call them. Everybody's ex WWE. WWE is the biggest goddamn company in the world. Everybody went through that system. You want to go watch Darby Allen matches? You can watch them on the network, I'm pretty sure. They own Evolve, don't they? I mean, it, everybody literally goes through this system. But you need to have that collective and connectivity of these individuals. And it really, AEW is doing a nice job of being able to take guys who you say, hey, I, I'll go watch Brian Danielson wrestle. I'll go watch CM Punk. That's cool. I'll go watch Chris Jericho. That's cool. You know, there are smaller guys, of course. I mean, Matt Hardy's a big name, but those are smaller guys that may bring a certain audience over. But, you know, when you have CM Punk and you have Brian Danielson and you have Chris Jericho, I'll, I'll go see that. Because in TNA, the guys, the only guy that really stayed was Kurt Angle. But for a minute there, they had some really good wrestlers. And they had their own talent. You had Abyss. He was awesome. Monty Brown was awesome. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, these guys were awesome. And you... you you know, connected these guys with, like, Christian Cage and Kurt Angle and, you know, uh, Jeff Jarrett, and, and you brought these matches together and you told these great stories, and for a period of time, TNA was really good, just didn't get, they didn't get appreciation for it. And AEW right now is literally taking Kenny Omega and giving you Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. He's giving, they're giving you CM Punk versus Will Hobbs on Friday, which I love Will Hobbs. They yeah, gave you CM huge, Punk and Darby Allin. for him. You got Christian Cage and Kenny Omega. I mean, you got this. This is what they're giving you. On a bigger scale than anybody's ever really done it before. Not since WCW. It's time. And I know it hurts. And I don't want to be that, that fanboy that's saying it's time to watch it. But there's a lot of people that won't watch it. Well, I think that the point is, it's, it's like it's time for those people who are displeased with what they're yes, seeing. Yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. I hope I don't come off as a, as a, as a mark here. I wasn't trying to be that way. It's 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 time where every weekend that something like this happens, you know, the situation with Finn Balor where some people loved it and that's awesome and some people really hated it. No, but if if that if you liked it then like by all means watch it. That's not what we're saying. But like we have that one friend who one of our buddies every week watches all the WWE programming and 
doesn't, doesn't like, it. like it. Doesn't like, like it. We have a conversation. He's like, this, this sucks. I don't want to see this. I don't like this. I can't believe they're doing this. And it's like, then why are you watching? Because you can't stop. And I think that that's what I was trying to get at. It's some. It's hard to give it up. And it's okay. You don't have to give it up. You could be like him. But at some point, if you really are unhappy with what it is that you're getting, they're not going to change. But that, that's your People point. People have been waiting for change for 15 years yeah. and it didn't happen. It's not going to happen. And it's one of those things that, unfortunately, I just would hope that people can start to embrace the alternative. Or check it out. Check it out. That's all I'm asking. Exactly. It, it, don't reject it. Don't knock it without trying. And this is, again, this, this was not supposed to come off as propaganda in that way. But you see, I just meant it because, like, you have this event that happens and people are talking about it and they hate it. And they're on it. But they say, well, maybe I'll actually watch AEW. I mean, and it's like, then do. No, just it check hurt. it out. Yeah. And if it you doesn't hate it, hurt. then that's fine. Like If pro wrestling is not a thing that you enjoy, because we talked about this a little bit too after the SummerSlam. I think I talked about it on here. SummerSlam, these matches weren't wrestling matches. John Cena and Roman Reigns had a wrestling match, or call it that. They had a match. We did talk about this. Where there were like five moves. Five moves done over and over between the two of them. Goldberg and Bobby Lashley had a wrestling match. That's crazy. Bobby Lashley's great, but that was crazy. If you realize you don't want to watch pro wrestling, if you didn't like what Brian Danielson and Omega gave you, that's okay. That's the thing about AEW. They give you a lot of variety. They had a great match. Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page had a great match against Jericho and Hager. Proud and Powerful Lucha Brothers had a great match against the Hardy family. They were jumping all over the place. That was great. Yeah. But outside of that, I really did enjoy the show. I thought Grand Slam was really, really good. I thought that the Rampage was really, really good. It was a long Rampage, though. It went till midnight. I saw the ratings came out with like 600-something, but the first hour was 7-something. And then 5-something. And then 5-something. It's tough. That second hour is going to be tough. But That's pretty solid, though, for it's a, a two-hour Friday night. the same night. number that they got like last week yeah. on a two-hour show, which is good. If this is what they want, I, I might be the minority. could be me. And I didn't want to make this podcast negative because we had such a great time in the beginning talking about emo fight. But... I would prefer to watch a two-hour show even if it went to midnight. It, it got everybody on the card. Look at what the card had. Like, no, just look I... at the card from the front to the back. You had Omega and Danielson. You had Sting and Darby versus FTR. You had Cody versus Malachi. You had CM Punk wrestle and cut a promo. You had Christian Cage and Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. You had Jericho and Hager versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Anna you Jay had, versus Penelope Ford. That had, opens up another women's spot. Yeah, and now they have a tag team match. They're going to they're gonna go yep. off of that. You had Moxie and Kingston versus Suzuki Goon. Then you main evented, of course, with Britt Baker and her group. They don't have a name, do they? I don't think so. They might need a name. Might need a name. But you have Britt Baker... And her group against Ruby Soho, who may need help. Who they kind of teased. You had like Riho, and you had some Chris Statland. Yeah, and you had yeah, a little yeah. Bit of help. We're all about factions, right? Oh, of course. Hell yeah. And you have MJF, and you have Pillman. I mean, you had such a variety across this board. It was that's what the two-hour rampage gave you. Is that you got so many people into a spot, and they were all different, and they all had stories. That's what we've been talking about. Like that's what, uh, yeah, the two hours would be beneficial in that that's what we've that's what we've literally talked about week after week with getting everyone featured and and moving stories moving titles you can do that with these four hours and when we talked about that every week in terms of that the rampage guys have to be different 
Yeah. And we didn't see Anna Jay. We didn't see Tay Conti. And we didn't see the bunny. And we didn't see Penelope Ford on Dynamite. But we saw them on Rampage. Yeah. And they're running a story almost exclusively on Rampage. They're running like a, a, a feud. Uh, I think their tag match is coming up on Dynamite this week. But they have a they have a big tag match coming up, which is actually uh, it's a good story. I mean, it's kind of out of nowhere. And it's kind of fighting for nothing, but it's something that they have going on. Gets Anna Jay back in the ring with veterans. Penelope Ford has worked how many matches? Allie's been around forever. Yeah. It's it's a good place yeah. to put her. You get Tay Conti involved. Of course, crowd pops hot for her. She's kind of like the hot tag. She comes running down the, you know, uh, running Tay, down the I, I love Tay Jay. Great group. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it also worked being in the crowd, too, because... As much as, as we love CM Punk and we love the Young Bucks, it's like you're not getting CM Punk and the Young Bucks and CM Punk and the Young Bucks. Like you're not getting it over and over again where you can maintain that energy level. And people talk about brand splits. No, the answer is no. The brand splits do not need to happen. They're not going to happen. That's that's terrible. You don't want that. No. But what they did for this Grand Slam, if this was kind of the blueprint of what they want to do going forward, it was perfect. Yeah, was I perfect. liked it. It you had fun. a different match, each match, and they were all different too. They yeah, were all different matches. They all were different, and it was a, it was really, really, really well done. It felt like obviously because we watched it, it felt like a really long show. But when, you know, because we were there in the audience, I'm saying, because it, so it felt like a really long show. But I will say, the two hours of dynamite flew by, like watching at home, because it was just so action packed and it was so entertaining. Like I, at least for me, because uh, we were sitting across from the. Um, clock again and next thing i know like it's 9 15 i'm like where did the night go i know we had two two hours of rampage to come but i felt that the well that they had like a 40 fast. minute event omega and danielson good. had like a 40 minute event that it was like it, it was like a blink didn't feel like it unbelievable can't believe i i was sitting there probably a lot of people were in the same same boat but i'm like i cannot believe that this is happening you know right before people my thought eyes that people actually thought that the booking of that was bad. What? That it ended in like a draw. It had to. It doesn't. It just. They just rooted. Kept wrestling. Why did somebody have to win? It had to end in a draw. But again, I'm also on the other side of it. People don't like it, and I talked about it on Twitter too. I'm also on the side that you can do a DQ. You can do it in the right circumstances. DQs are okay. They they further stories. They set up. They set up events. I mean, it's okay to do a DQ. I'm not saying you do a DQ here. That's not what I mean at all. That's I'm not associating. I'm saying in, in general, general, in yeah. general, there doesn't necessarily have to be a winner and loser when it tells the story to build to like, oh well, you know what? It's DQ. You know, you have like the Bucks, the Super Click, and you have Brian. I mean, let's just say, for example, we can use these guys. You have so many outside pieces that get involved, and then you know. At the pay-per-view, at full gear, we're going to a cage. That way, nobody gets in. Right. And it's like that type of thing. And then in WWE, they get in. Kane comes through the ring or whatever and like sucks you down to the depths. And then the show ends with a red light on or some shit. But you know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's you can build There's that story. There's a time and place and then, where it's effective, yeah. Right, because the crowd's not going to be happy that they got a DQ. But then when they find out they're getting a cage match, you kind of get that, okay. Sure. Yeah. You, know, you kind of yeah, get yeah. that, okay. I felt like the draw here was was perfect. I couldn't see it ending any other way. Because no, this they, just, they just kept wrestling through. There wasn't a, there wasn't also a push for time, which I thought was good. It wasn't an Iron Man match. It wasn't an Iron Man match. Iron Man matches, you have to get as many. So there's going to be a winner and a loser at the end of that time limit. 
right? So an Iron Man match is going to be a win or lose. You need to get the points. So at the end of the time, you have to rush for time. You have to rush to get to that conclusion. You got to get the most points. You got to get a pinfall. You got to start rolling guys up. You got to start trying to hit finishers. Every you know, you have to try to get that last you know that leap over. You got to get a guy in a, in a submission hold. You got to get it at the last second. In this one, it wasn't really like that. There wasn't urge. They just kept wrestling. They just kept wrestling as if they had that's lost track what of time. They do. That's what they fucking do. And like, people kind of wanted to have an Iron Man match, but. I don't know if they needed it because I really thought that they just wrestled until they couldn't wrestle anymore. I thought it was flawless and it leaves the door open for more, which is But if they go to the pay-per-view what we all want. And they run a title match, it's a sixty minute time limit, they'll have enough time to finish it. Yeah. We'll just go until they can't go anymore. You don't need to have uh, you know, it doesn't be three, two, one you don't have to worry about time crunch. Just let them go until there's a champion. I was just That's in, a story I would tell. Just in awe at it i know they've wrestled before we talked about that that yeah, was years ago but this just like on this magnitude in this venue of course you see the clips brian just smiling at <laughs> at the roar of the audience and kenny mouthing i don't give a shit i don't give a shit hilarious we, hilarious we saw that on the the tron and, and we laughed but like yeah we saw it live on because the, they, they had him on the screen when he did it he's i don't give a shit i thought it was great hilarious but it was just I couldn't believe it. What a moment! No, it was it was really a lot of fun. Arthur Ashe, the event Grand Slam. I thought it was really well structured from the bottom up. Obviously, I liked the way that both shows felt as if it was just a continuation of the first show. You had such a diversity. You had such a good match variety. You had so many different stories. Every match had a story. And now this week on Dynamite, potentially you can get Wyndham Rotunda, whatever he wants to call himself. Yeah, from Rochester. But you got Sammy Guevara versus Miro. We're in the midst of the G1. Yes, we'll do a quick little breakdown here of the rankings. As of this recording, in the A block, we have Great O'Conn at 8 points. Zack Sabre Jr., Toriano, Kenta at six points apiece. Shingo Takagi, Yujiro Takahashi, Kota Ibushi at four points. Tongaloa and Tamahiro Ishii at two points. And Tetsuya Naito, unfortunately, had to withdraw from the tournament due to knee injury. That's terrible. We wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah, it was surprising, I guess, with the way that COVID is and the way that the restrictions are in terms of people coming you know, to Japan. They, they couldn't really fill a spot. So they just gave everybody, I guess, a point. That's how they did it. Yeah, I think. I think you get so. like a week. I guess you get the match off when you get up to it, and you just get a point for it. I think so. I, it's unfortunate. You know, it's unfortunate. But B block, we got Jeff Cobb at four points, uh, along with Taichi and Kazuchika Okada, Evil Hiroshi Tanahashi, Sonata, and my boy Tamatonga at two points apiece, and then Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, and Chase Owens with nothing. You know, we're gonna talk about. Our buddy Metal Michael here for a minute. Call up Wrestling Podcast. Give him a shout. Yes, Check him out. We're going to be doing the G1 Finals. We're going yeah, to collab so we'll be, with, we'll be him. Collaborating with him. Very excited for, for the that. G1 Finals. But I was going to give him a shout. Look, I know this will kind of sound bad because I kind of said it there too. I did have my cup of tea, by the way, if anybody was following that thread. Um, Not the one they recommended, though. No, I couldn't we find couldn't it. couldn't find but, it. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll try it one day. But the thing I wanted to kind of bring up is, look, the G1's long. There may be some matchups that you're not a fan of. There may be some matchups that you're not interested in. Look, we all get that way. And I want to say that from Dojo and Dynamite, it's okay 
to skip one or two that you may not have interest in. We've done it. I didn't watch show versus the young lion or whatever that match was to open. Like there are things that we do. Yeah, skip. we we try to not do that. We try to watch everything in its entirety, but especially when we start playing catch up, which always happens, something gets in the way. We can't watch it live because of work. It's two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's eh, we always end up playing catch up, and and there's not enough time in the day to get through everything. So, as someone said it to us, it may have been Metal Michael. Uh, you know, cover what you like. Talk about and watch what you like. And I think that is the best advice. I agree. Look, if it's live, we watch it as it is. But, you know, sometimes there's things that you may not have interest in. And you may have to sacrifice them in accordance to time. But there is no no disrespect to any of those performers. No. It's also hard to avoid spoilers, too, on the second. It's very hard. Second run, so... Especially for matches that have no bearing or no matter. Yeah. But with that, and a little rant about WWE and kind of talking about the potential alternatives, and I apologize if that rubbed people the wrong way. I didn't mean it to go in that direction. I wasn't trying to be a propaganda machine here. But I hope that you enjoyed our experience at Arthur Ashe. I thought the fans were great. I thought the show was great. Uh, we enjoyed talking, conversing with people. We had good fans next to us. The diversity of fan was enormous. I mean, just in terms of, like, the ages, the demographics. I mean, it was great. It was like a big melting pot. It was New York City. It was great. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was awesome. Awesome to connect to people with different backgrounds, what wrestling that they watch, what wrestling they don't watch. There were people there behind us. I know I've, there were people behind us that didn't watch AW at all, but it came here. They're like, oh, we got to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that was awesome. To see that. I had, always think that's so cool. Yeah, and we had the two next to us. Uh, the couple next to us were just super into GCW. So, like, you know, they, oh, were, were, they? they were marking out for RSP, MDK. I didn't know that oh, they yeah. were. Yeah. But, like, it's just, it's what you watch, what you don't watch. And New York City is such a melting pot of variety. It was awesome. It was really awesome. RSP was there. AW Dark Elevation. But do you even support RSP anymore since he's out of GCW? MDK. That's what it is. That's the most motivational man in the world. Truly. But with that, we appreciate your time talking about those experiences. I hope you enjoyed our recollection of emo fight, our life experiences. Loved it. This was a fun one. A little bit different than what we normally do, but I, I enjoyed the reflection here. But with that, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, hope you're doing well and staying safe. We are at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter, at Dojo and Dynamite on Instagram, dynamite at gmail.com. And we will be back later this week, next week, sometime within the next few days with another episode. Thanks, guys.